Overlooking Phoenix, from high above in the Star Worldwide Network Studios, Badge Boys. Stories, insight, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. And now, here they are, the Badge Boys. Welcome back to another edition of the Badge Boys, the show where two retired cops talk to the community. I'm retired Crime Stopper Sergeant Darren Birch, and unfortunately not in studio is my cohort in crime, retired Phoenix police officer Jason Sheckley. But we have our incredible producer, the uh, the brains of the outfit, Robin <laughs> Cote, who will fill in on his shoes, as always, because he's always doing a lot of inspirational um, tours and so forth, and so he's out again. But I think we got him for the next three months after this. Wow. Yeah, I know, so I'm pretty excited. It's been great therapy days coming up. Y- yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cop yeah. talk will change, because we're going to be a, doing a cop and Robin segment Ooh. in our second segment but more importantly in our first segment we have bridget truxillo uh deputy sheriff former swat officer uh narcotics officer turned attorney she's going to talk about her career she's also a founder of protective wellness and lady lawsuit where they help law enforcement officers in civil um cases and i'll let her explain what that is so like this is gonna be a really important show and tending show but uh Sadly, we're in a time where officers are, I think, being somewhat mistreated by their departments that are politically motivated, or at least appears to be politically motivated. So without further ado, I want to introduce Bridget. Bridget, th- thank you for being on Badge Boys. Well, I'm so glad to be here. I think I we started talking about this probably almost a year ago, and it's with crazy schedules, so I'm glad this worked out. I'm glad to be here. I know. I know. I've followed you in your career in terms of uh, LinkedIn. I've been stalking you without yep. you knowing it. Uh, <laughs> Mutual stalking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, I love, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you, you in your, the um, profile it said that you were the very first female SWAT officer on your department with this uh, shared part. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Before we get into that, because I want to go right into that after this first question, but this question, I always, always Jason, but he's not here. So um, Robin, I'm going to have you ask the question that Jason always asks all our law enforcement officers. Bridget, we're curious to know why you put your name on that application. So I'm glad that I got the question. I hear Jason ask those questions, and he is so <laughs> inspirational. I agree with that. Oh, but I've is. certainly followed him for a long time, and um, both of you are very inspirational in, in your unique ways. But um, I hope he's enjoying his um, work wherever he is at the moment. But um, so I, I would say for two reasons, I put my name on the application. Well, maybe three. I was graduating the University of Florida. And my degree is in environmental horticulture, and that's a long story about why I ended up in that, but I didn't want to work in that. And um, also, I wanted a job. I thought I I was into being physically working out and being fit, and I thought it'd be great if I could have a job that would require that of me and um, so I could just stick with it throughout life. And so I thought law enforcement would be that. And of course, then once I got into law enforcement, I realized that, you know, like the whole donut thing is legit with cops, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And then third is that I really do very strongly believe in right and wrong. Like, you know, I tell my, my I talk about it with my kids. I mean, how could you not talk about it when you're raising kids? But I have three kids. So I talk to them all the time about what's right or wrong, even when nobody's looking. And it's not about whether or not you get caught. It's, it's what you do that makes you feel good about yourself. So I would say all three of those, and I joke around, and if you've ever heard me on any other interview, I'd probably say this too much, but it's true, and it's kind of a joke that um, I watched G.I. Jane, and I thought that was cool, so (laughs) um, not that I could ever be a Navy SEAL, but um, I just say all those things. I just really wanted to believe strongly in the idea of right and wrong and wanted to do my part. I thought it would be really awesome to be able to do my part where my job legitimately helps make the world around me a better place. Um, and I would think a lot of cops would question whether or not 
what they do really does make a difference, but I would certainly argue that it always matters. Um, so for those three reasons, I always, I was avoiding something I needed to be held accountable for something and I wanted to help. <laughs> well, I, love I, it. That, I, I just, you know, what she just said really struck a chord with me because she doesn't think she could be a Navy SEAL, but yet she went SWAT. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the same thing in a way. That's um, still a badass. Yeah, SWAT yeah. is cool, no doubt. Bad. Uh, I'm glad you didn't go GI Jane because you look so much better with hair. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think I, I did try the one arm push ups and the pull ups for sure. I did a lot of pull ups, oh. but um, it's been a long time. So no, I will not be demonstrating pull ups anytime soon. <laughs> that does segue perfectly to SWAT because you know yeah. SWAT is absolutely you know you have to be physically fit. You have to you know be there. And, and, and in a second notice you're in mm-hmm. going you know and again patrol is definitely difficult but yeah. SWAT is a whole nother animal uh was yes. and because you're you're um aspiring to be physically fit and did that kind of go hand in hand with your mindset when you became a cop or I should say a deputy did you kind of think I'm going to go SWAT or did that did you just also think your path took you there you know, SWAT never, you know, like you hear about the hostage rescue team with the FBI or, and you see the pictures. And, sure. but I think until you become a cop, I mean, nobody in my family had ever been in law enforcement. And so I didn't know what it would be like to live in that world or be in that world. Uh, I think similar to being an attorney, unless when you get in it, I think there's some mystique about it that just being a cop in general, that people just don't, people don't, you just don't know it. And, um, but then you get in it, you know, I think, well, I'll become a cop and I have to I have to be fit. And like I said, you become a cop and you think, no, you don't. And sadly, even though I think everybody that's a cop should work for their entire career to take care of take care of themselves physically for many reasons. Unfortunately, they do not. And and then shockingly, agencies have their hands tied legally um on how much they can force cops to be fit. Um, and so then I saw that and I think I really don't know. I think I, I really like a challenge. <laughs> and what I've learned about myself over the many years is that I do seek out a challenge. I mean, I could be just comfortably sitting away at a law firm making decent money. But no, I had to quit that <laughs> and start not just one business, but two. Um, so, you know, and I have three kids and they're still young. I started later in life with kids. So I think it had something to do with the fact that, number one, I I knew that would be a challenge. I did not at all go into law enforcement thinking I'm going to try out for SWAT team or I, I went into to the sheriff's office so that as a stepping stone to get to something with federal law enforcement. F, the only thing I knew of was FBI or DEA. But then I learned that, I mean, many department, federal departments have their own um, law enforcement arm or investigative arm. So there's many ways to be a federal cop, so to speak. But um I didn't know. I mean, I thought like HRT is cool, but, you know, love, you know, certainly kudos to the SEALs and the Berets and all the elite military forces. But I don't know that I ever really thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Gotcha. In fact, I know I didn't. I didn't put my name on the sheriff's office application thinking I'm going to try out for SWAT. And I think it was because I saw that in patrol, you could be just flat out lazy and also, because I, wa- I wanted to get to federal law enforcement, I figured that doing something like that would be good on my resume. And I just thought, you know, what the heck? <laughs> no one's done it before. I'm going to do it. Right. And I I knew that would be a thing. Challenge. <laughs> only female. Right. Certainly the SWAT commander at the time we started the tryout. It was, you know, the sun wasn't up yet. I don't know what time it was. Let's just say it was 5 or 5.30 or something. Oh, dark we were 30. starting the day with a run. And I, of course, was lined up and the SWAT commander probably lined up. It was two columns, the whole team, plus the people trying out. And I probably was towards the back of it. And um, the guy, the SWAT commander stood at the front of the two lines and screamed out, Baragona, you're making history here. And I'm like, oh, great. Like you're starting the day just with the spotlight <laughs> on me. And I'm just bad enough. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just a little bit, I have a, little, a lot of crazy uh, mixed in with the normal, I guess. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, him kind of putting a spotlight on you, and, and maybe in a very positive way. I'm hoping that was his intentions, at least. Maybe not received, or <laughs> but hopefully it was intention. But I noticed in the 80s, I'm old old school here. Um, some of the uh, the 
female that was the very first female motor officer that I knew that with the Phoenix Police Department, and then the very first female canine officer, both had um, difficulties in terms of a, a good old boy uh, mindset. Maybe not by the department, but by the unit itself. Did you have that hurdle at all, uh, or where was it well received? Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, I that's more the rule than than the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, I had a captain that I'm still in contact with him now. He's really great. Um, if it were not for him, they never would have put me on the SWAT team, and I know that because my SWAT commander told me three separate times explicitly, "You're only on the team because the captain made me put you on." Well, how so, sweet of him! Wow, what what an enlightened leader, right? right. <laughs> Yeah, God. I mean, he seemed so good at, so dedicated to the job. Um, I mean, he was also the the lieutenant over the narcotics unit that I was on, so it was like a double whammy. Wow, because um, I couldn't get away from it. Um, I mean, I'd do the narcotics job, and I was under him, and then I was doing the the SWAT team, and I was under him. And um, I, I said this story a lot that we even competed in two SWAT competitions, Florida Florida SWAT Roundup International in Orlando. And it's, I mean, international teams come, countries, teams from across the country come. And I competed on that team, that competition with him twice and under him. And I mean, we trained for hours and hours and hours for that. And ultimately, n- nothing I did ever made a difference. I mean, wow. it was after the first time I competed on SWAT. Um, and I've told this story before, he and I were in the gym working out. The only two people in there, nobody else on the SWAT team was there. And he said to me, I don't remember how it came up at all, but I, oh yeah, well, the only reason you're on the team is because the captain made me put you on. And I turned around to him and looked at him and said, Lieutenant, you've said that you, you've told me twice already. I get it. And I, I don't know. Good for you. Good I will you. never understand why. If somebody show, in my opinion, of course, my biased opinion is that if somebody shows you they're physically capable and motivated and willing to do the work, which is something you can't teach people, um, why would why does it matter if you're different in some way? A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it, it always bothered me when I the the dear friends, uh, I'll call them partners, that would tell me these stories about the good mm-hmm. old boy system and how bad it was, and I just broke my heart. It really did because these were really good officers, like yourself. In fact, you're the ones that are going to have to break that ceiling. You know, mm-hmm. um, having said that, uh, have you stayed in touch with folks in that department and other females? Uh, you know, did people follow you as a trailblazer? No. They did not have any other females. Um, I know what, so, so the, they just had some changes, like the new sheriff came in. So there's always some unnecessary, you know, shifting people yeah, around. And, yeah. um, but one of the guys that was on SWAT with me. Um, he ended up, he became SWAT commander, you know, 15 years later. Um, and honestly, I, and I, I did not talk with any of them for more than a decade because the way that I left was so hurtful. And one of the things that was more hurt, that was the most hurtful is that especially with the guys that I competed with in the SWAT competition on. So, so we were like the competition team of the SWAT team. I mean, I had to beat out guys on my own SWAT team to make the competition competition team. And so we, you know, I said, we trained for hours and hours and hours together. And so they saw what I was capable of, that I was really good shot. And, that I know that I worked hard and I, oh, you know, I, yes, I make mistakes, but I always showed up, you know, just whatever. The thing that hurt the most was that none of them stood up for me, that none of them um, did something to try and make it better. And wow. I get that it's hard to go against the flow um, or you don't necessarily want the spotlight to be on you instead of me, but that was, so I didn't talk to him for years. And in hindsight, I regret that because I was just talking with somebody the other day that, you know, we tell, we tell ourselves stories and you're the only person telling that story. So I could have, I feel like I could have let that story go a long time ago, but it just, it just, it was hard. It took a long, long time to let go of the hurt and the frustration. And then I probably started reaching out to them again about three or four years ago. Um, specifically, the guys that I was on the narcotics unit with, um, we kind of kept in touch a little bit more. Unfortunately, one of them passed away um, about 15 years ago now, sadly. 
<clears throat> and then the other guy we were in the narcotics with, we both, we, we were tight. Um, but I didn't keep in touch with any of the other ones. It took me, I would say 12 or 13 years to let it go to the point of being willing to be friends, even if I didn't feel like they were a friend to me. Yeah. So, and and I, I get that because we talk about the brotherhood or sisterhood. Yeah. We talk about the yeah. family, the blue line, yes. and that's a betrayal. And yeah. in my opinion, it's a betrayal mm -hmm. because they the entire unit should have had your back and because yeah. you're a trailblazer you're truly obviously fit for the job if not overly qualified for the mm -hmm. job mm -hmm. um and that's a shame because they lost an invaluable person when you left let's talk okay. about your uh departure you're obviously educated well spoken now you have this law enforcement background um and you had gone to school for i'm sorry it's a big Ten dollar word. What was that again? <laughs> Horticulture, Horticulture. Plants. I Thank have a you. degree in plants, which is crazy. <laughs> um, how did the lawyer part come into play in this uh, very, you know, illustrious career? Quite frankly. Well, you know, I would. I had a hundred percent put all my eggs in one basket. Like I guess, like anybody does when you start a career, you think this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. You know, until I retire, and then. Because I was on SWAT team, there was ultimately an event. I mean, I, you know, I just put up with a lot of crap, but then eventually there was one specific event that I was like, all right, that's it. I'm done. And when it got to that point, I knew that was kind of happening, but I was just very resistant to it. I'm like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let them force me to quit. And then finally I was like, you know what? Up yours. I'm going to quit. <laughs> yes. And there were just, I realized, because you just, you know, I realized, and I wasn't a, I was 29-ish, was I? 29, around 28 to 29. So, you know, I wasn't a baby, baby cop, but still, I mean, a lot younger than I am now. Um, I just realized, okay, there's got to be something else in life. Like, this is not what I'm, I'm not going to keep fighting this battle forever. And I also realized that because on the, on the narcotics unit, I had met federal investigators. And so I knew what... I knew that there were going to be egos at the federal level, possibly even, and no disrespect to any federale listening to this, but that's at times some people um, could have even bigger egos at the federal level and than what I was dealing with. And I just didn't, was not going to fight that battle because yeah, I'm never going to be the wallflower or the fly on the, I'm just, I'm always, I just know that about myself. I'm going to find something to like, something challenging, something hard. I'm never going to be the person to just sit around. Like I said, I, I could be at a law firm just coasting. I'm just not a coasting kind of person. So, and it, but honestly, I had no idea what to do with myself because I thought I'm going to work hard and be fit and protect the world and blah, blah, blah. And, and then all of a sudden I was not that. And yeah. so I didn't know what to do. I thought about going doing something in horticulture with plants or whatever. One day my dad, I was visiting my dad. He lived in the Florida Keys at the time, which was awesome. <laughs> and I was visiting him and he was sitting around with friends complaining about attorneys and how awful they are. And then all of a sudden he turns to me and says, well, you should be an attorney. And I'm like, dad, do you hear yourself? Because you're just sitting here talking about how <laughs> awful attorneys are. And he goes, oh yeah, but you'd be different. And I, and I just want to say I am different. I'm not like, I'm a very good lawyer. Um, but, um, then I like, well, you know what? Okay, I'll I'll go Give to law school at 30 years old. So I guess it's kind of like trying out for SWAT. Somebody says, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love reinventing yourself like that. It, it sounds yeah. like you have a really, in a, I mean this in a good way, competitive nature where you push mm -hmm. yourself. She's you, tenacious. You, I like yeah, it. And yeah, and wanting to better yourself. And, and, and it's like, you know, putting in 100, 101%. Talk a little bit about the law firm, because I like what you talk about with this department. Um, some of the um, um, management were not yeah. backing their, their personnel. And, and sadly, mm -hmm. we've seen it. I've seen it. I don't think, like you said earlier, before we got on the air, I, there's not probably not a cop alive that hasn't seen bad management. They're out there, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And now with 2020 and a lot of political changes, especially on the sheriff's part where it is political, but based on the fact yeah. that that sheriff is elected it's official. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't get any more political than that. And uh, 
With your law firm, you, you kind of t- talked a little bit about it being civil uh, practice for officers. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? And if you would, even um, hypothetically or uh, in a very general nature, talk about a case that you've helped on and, and so forth yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, assisting, still helping, still being part of that family, quite frankly. Yeah, I like I said, when I left Sher- when I left the sheriff's office, as mad as I was at all of them or disappointed or hurt, mostly I was hurt. Um, I still knew I wanted to help somehow because and help cops or deputies or constables or first responders. Because I think anytime anybody that's in a job where you deal with that much trauma or stress on a regular basis, um, you know, bad things can happen. Or um, also just from my experience at the sheriff's office where people make decisions that legally they shouldn't. Because um, when I I started, when I left the law firm world, knowing I wanted to help, I knew that I wanted to do something for wellness, but I also knew that, I mean, I'm an attorney and there's something I can do with that. And it, so I wanted to offer that too. Um, and in the process of getting the word out about my, the protective wellness side with the wellness course that I have, I would tell, I tell people about my story and then inevitably what's happened is that I have mostly women, um, but not all, but I've women reaching out to me from across the country who are dealing with similar harassment or discrimination situations and want advice. Cause what I found like when I was at the sheriff's office is you, number one, you, you feel alone. And this is not just for women. I just think, I feel like if you're facing something challenging with your agency, you feel like you're alone. You don't know who to turn to. Maybe you have a union, but maybe they don't help with that kind of stuff. I was in a union, but I didn't trust them just because they were also one of the good old boys. And I would not have trusted talking to my union rep about what I was facing because it just would have made, I felt like it would have made my situation harder with my lieutenant and my sergeant. And so for whatever reason, you you don't have anybody you can turn to. And I just know that number one, I've been through it. And then number two, I can help because I have almost, I'm coming on 15 years of litigation experience in the civil world, which means that I can tell you what your options are. I can tell you what you can do about it. I can tell you that it's going to suck and you may not like what would happen. And then, but at least then you're going into, you know, you're going into it eyes wide open and you feel like, you know, what your options are. Cause I didn't even know what my options were. And so some examples of some things I've done are a girl that filed an EEOC claim an equal opportunity employment claim for harassment and discrimination and I helped her fig- know what to expect about that, um, the process that would happen, um, another situation. And so that was just a consultation. Another one is I actually helped write a response. Because uh, when you do file an EEOC claim, the person you're filing against your agency has an opportunity res- to respond in writing, but then you get a chance to write a response to the response. And it's, that can be very important for the investigator. Um, Another one is uh, Brady Giglio, which I think even most cops probably don't really understand what that is, but it's basically where there's something called a Brady Giglio list that the state or the district attorney, if they feel like you are an untrustworthy police officer or deputy, whatever, and they have to base it on something, they can't just say, oh, you're not trustworthy. Like they'll try and say, why are you lied or you arrested somebody and you made up, I mean, a, a, an egregious one line. Fortunately, a guy here in Houston, he for, they discovered for decades he had made up evidence for search warrants and arrest warrants. I mean, that's legit. Horrible. He needs to yes. be, <laughs> not a, he doesn't have a job anymore, but Good. even if he did, he would legit be on a Brady Giglio list. But unfortunately, they use Brady Giglio lists as a weapon against someone they don't want around for some reason, whether it's politically motivated or whether it's a, a discrimination issue. So I, I've helped a girl who that was ultimately what they used to fire her because the DA, it was this really small town. So, you know, it's just one look, no offense to the good old boys out there, but it's the one little, one very small good old boy network, including unfortunately the, the attorney and he, for they put her on this Brady Giglio list. And then the, immediately the chief said, well, you're fired. I can't keep you here. And, there was no basis for it, but what, but there's no consistent application of Brady Giglio list county by county, city by city, state by state. It, it, it's unfortunate because it has, it's a career destroying designation. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's a simple people call me and they just want to, they need, they just want to talk to somebody who knows what your options are. So I just do consultations 
um, but all the way up to writing responses and being co-counsel on a case. Because I think it really matters that you have somebody who knows the law enforcement world that you live in. Because like I said earlier, you just don't know what it's like if you haven't, unless you've done it. Yeah, I've done both. I love how you talk about the options and and your eyes wide open because ultimately it's, it's their choice what they want to do like you know mm-hmm. and so to have mm-hmm. an advocate that understands mm-hmm. is is huge good for you thank you for that thank uh, you. in closing I can't let you go before you talk about your protective wellness because I love well, the you. athlete in you I love your competitive nature I love how you broke that ceiling the glass ceiling and, and your SWAT um, please talk to us about protective wellness what's that mean well like i said when i was at the sheriff's office one of the things that i recognized was that the job was changing me and in ways that i didn't like i mean you know because you you did the job longer than me and all the crap that you saw is that inevitably you start to look at the world like the entire world is suspect that you have to assume everyone wants to hurt you and i know that's a necessary part to survive the job because there's a a danger all the time. Um, And also, I believe that there's ways to balance that out so that you don't let it consume who you are. But I didn't know how to do that when I was at the sheriff's office. And so there is a way I think you can do that. But I, I it's a it's a journey that you could, you know, that you could that you should do for the rest of your life. Wellness training is something you should have do in small increments every day. Um, And I don't think enough cops are taught how to do that or what that even means. So wellness, I call it wellness basic training. It's like you don't go to the NBA unless you've fact you've really mastered the basics of dribbling and passing. And yet, you know, somebody taught them how to dribble and pass when they were five. So this is the basics. What is wellness and what is it like for you? So I created this seven-step course that does that. I don't tell you what wellness is. I tell you what the framework is, but then you then go through the course and figure out, well, what do you want to do for physical fitness and your spiritual and your mental and your social and emotional wellness? And I say, here's what this means. Here's some ideas. Now let's figure out what works for you. And then you do it in five minutes or 10 minute increments. So at the end of it is that you define what it means for you. And then by the time you finish the course, you've already started implementing that in your days and you just, you know, just stick with it. So, you know, it's easier said than done. Um, everybody has bumps in the road with like that. Even I do. Um, my, my, I just moved to a new house about a month ago and my physical fitness routine took a hit, but you know what, I'll get back to it and it's all, it's okay. Um, but it's something I, it's a journey that I will be on for the rest of my life. And I, and it allows me to find joy on a daily basis. And so I, that's why I think that's so important. So it's, it's called wellness, basic training and it's on my website, which is my I love that. And I also loved how you talked about, you know, when you change your, your routine and mm-hmm. you may not, be, I went from bicycle officer where we got to work out, we, you know, we're mm-hmm. very active, you know, literally pedaling to, you know, from one incredible emergency to the next and then when i left i went to the burglary detectives after the shooting i was in i thought you know i need to do something because I'm, I'm i've lost that now sitting yeah. at this desk and mm-hmm. so i told myself i'm always going to take the stairs I, and even when i had to go like the, uh, the court on the 10th floor of the city building i would take the yeah. stairs uh, so yeah but maybe hopefully people aren't that extreme but i love that i love how you're helping people uh, officers the family uh mm-hmm. even though you had a really really a bad experience and hopefully you know you're you're able to use that horrible experience and you're helping others both with their physical fitness their well-being uh because as you know you're a hundred percent right uh um officers are the worst at taking care of themselves both spiritually emotionally and but sadly also physically um And then you're also helping them with their careers because of the things like the Brady list is what we refer mm-hmm. to it as. And, oh, it's a horrible animal and it's yep. so misused and it's so disingenuous where it came from. Even um, yep. the uh, um, late Brady would be uh, rolling in his grave. He saw how it's been misconstrued. Um, yep. I cannot thank you enough. One more time for those who missed the information on both the Lady Law Shield, which should be a TV show, by the way, uh, as well as Protective <laughs> Wellness. Please give it up to us again. 
So yeah, the website is theladylawshield.com and that's for the legal help and the wellness because I have to keep them very separate. The state, I'm actually licensed in four states. So all four of them would get all over me because you can't, I can't sell legal things and non-legal things together, gotcha. but I can help with both. Anyway, the uh, myprotectivewellness.com is where you find the wellness training course. And then the ladylawshield.com is where you can find the the legal help. And on the legal side, I mean, I'm happy to book. Like I do, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if you want to book a 15-minute call with me and t- tell me what's going on and I can then tell you what I think you should do, happy to do that for anybody. Um, I, I tell people a lot, you know, I'm 47 years old and I feel like I've finally figured out what it is I'm supposed to do with my life. And this is it. I this is Well, I, it obviously works because you look 18. And and, and, <laughs> and, and Rob and I can see and attest that. Yeah, you, seriously. She does um, look amazing. I, you really are amazing. I can't wait to have you back on because uh, Jason's going to be so mad at me having you on the show without him. Uh, well, thank, you. thank you so much. And again, um, what? Oh, by the way, we're going to be doing cop talk. If you have time, if you want to stick around for our cop talk yeah, section, it's it. actually uh, cop and Robin. So it'll be cops and Robin in this case. We'll Let's be right. do it. We'll be right back. <laughs> More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. If you like the Badge Boys, you'll love their books. Starting with Burning Shield, the Jason Schechterly story, which Arizona Diamondbacks president Derek Hall proclaimed, Jason is an inspiration and his story must be read and shared. The professionally written novel is a powerful biography chronicling Jason's gut-wrenching battle to health after being trapped in a fireball that consumed his police car and his high-stakes legal showdown against the Ford Motor Company for their explodingly lethal Crown Victoria police cruisers. Then there's Darren's award-winning Twisted But True book trilogy with close to 100 compelling and funny true crime stories that American detectives with Lieutenant Joe Kenda producer called the perfect blend of humor, heroism, and honor. And retired Colonel Dave Grossman declared, Darren's twisted but true books are hilarious, deep, and powerful. Each book in the series received the Pinnacle Award for the best true crime book, and a story from book two was featured on an ID Channel television show. And Robin's most recent book, Soul Stirrings, reviewed as an often humorous and spiritually uplifting story of a widow's soul-searching pilgrimage to the afterlife. Darren called it a love story, a ghost story, an investigative story. It's a story like no other. And Robin's first book, Victim No More, where she shares her harrowing experiences with rape and domestic violence as Robin takes the reader on a very personal journey through the morass of abuse and loss, and ultimately, survival. These Badge Boy books should be on everybody's top 10 reading list. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. Welcome back, everybody. That was really an incredible interview with our guest, Bridget uh, Truxillo. You know what I really love about this show, Darren? I loved everything about her. Everything. The thing I really love about Badge Boys and how you go after people for guests you bring on so many powerful, amazing women that shows people like myself and even the young women in the world today, even outside of law enforcement, these beautiful, wonderful women who are making a difference in the world, even though they face adversity. I mean, police officers face adversity regardless. but External and internal. Yeah, but women on top of that face a whole different level of adversity and the fact that they can reinvent themselves and do so many amazing things, not only for themselves, but to help others in that same career choice. That's pretty awesome. You know, I love to take credit for all these great women guests I bring on, but it's there. I mean, it, there's just so many. And but it's you not, find them. And it's not because I was brought up by a single mother. I just have my heart breaks for many women in our, our profession. And I've seen some um, travesties, quite frankly. But seriously, I, I'm just looking for great guests, and they're there, <laughs> like Bridget. Um, and what I'm really excited about, Bridget, is, again, I have to talk about the elephant in the room. Jason's not here. I'm sad. It, it breaks my heart. He's not here. But I get to have Robin. And now with Bridget, we get to have cops and Robin. He rocks in the treetop all the day long. Hopping and a-bopping and a-singing his song. All the little birds on Jaybird Street. Love to hear the robin go tweet, 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 rockin' robin, tweet. 
rock and robin. I love that song. You're but, just looking for an excuse to play music. I love it. I'm not even going <laughs> to deny it. I'm not going to deny it. And uh, I, I did provide you with the headlines, so I am aware of the headlines. Uh, and I picked them, quite frankly. But Bridget has not heard these. Uh, and so I really look forward to hearing what she has to say, both as a, as a, a former officer, but especially as a lawyer yeah with yeah. the legal ease behind it i like it. that yeah especially because i think i'm way off on these I, I i got a feeling i'm way off legally so we'll see we'll see okay so let's start things off with the first headline sansom park police officer shot in the face at active shooter training session in elementary school yeah this is a horrific event mm. and these are recent headlines sadly uh this uh female officer was shot in the face by a, another officer during a training session for an active shooter uh, at an elementary school of all places. So the reason I picked this headline is more than just the obvious, which is a horrible training accident um, to a point of being reckless, negligent possibly. The reason I brought this up because I think I'm a hypocrite. I talk about Alec Baldwin and what a horrific person he was in terms of, you know, point the finger at other people, I never squeeze a trigger, all these things, which, you know, I, I don't know who his representation is because he shouldn't be talking, number one. Um, and I can see Bridget shaking her head no on her monitor. <laughs> but I, I opined on how he is absolutely culpable for that, albeit accidental, uh, based on the reckless nature of him as a producer in charge ultimately of the armor who is ultimately responsible for the you know live rounds being in that gun but then i look at this case and my heart breaks for the officer who squeezed the trigger mm -hmm. and shot this this his his comrade in the face and i have to ask myself well is he not culpable is somebody not culpable for that round being in that weapon and we took look at the oh gosh i can't remember the department i want to say it was dallas but i'm probably wrong a uh, an officer a female officer uh, ha had been removed from the patrol for a long time was forced back because of the the funding they're needing bodies that she she goes in from a a desk back into patrol and she mistook her taser for her service weapon and and she is doing time so yeah. looking at alec baldwin and my my zest if you will for thinking he should be um culpable for the um um you know reckless nature of of the of a, the the death the homicide um but then i look at this case and think you know what i, I feel bad but it, is this case not ospel culpable in some realm i think it is uh please bridget what do you think well you know, a lot of this comes down to policy and procedure um, sure. and what's writing. And so, like, I know from my time on SWAT team, you know, we would shoot all the time. We had a really good sheriff at the time that gave us um, a lot of training. So the whole agency got a lot of training. We had great equipment. But, I mean, you know as well as I do, when you go into shooting training, especially or when I was on SWAT, we would do the they're not called paintball rounds, but just to say like, they're like paintballs, yeah. but I'm going to tell you when you get shot with them, they you really, <laughs> um, and they had like blue stocks on the gun instead of the regular. So you knew you were dealing with a different gun. You knew just by the look of the gun that somebody's not pointing a real gun at you. Never, ever, ever did we do a training exercise with our regular service weapons. If we did do anything just like a simulated run, we did multiple checks and it wasn't just on, you know, you always have a, one person in charge of safety for that. So one person's in charge of checking all the guns and checking that they're cleared and checking that you have no live rounds in. But ultimately, you know that too. I mean, you know that you are in a profession that what you do could ultimately take the life of someone else with a bullet. And I mean, as a lawyer, I don't have that. So I do live in the state of Texas, so anybody can that. <laughs> but um, I think that there are many ways to look at that in terms of either, you know, quote unquote fault. Um, and I am sure that there are going to people to people. There are going to be a lot of people looking at all those different ways. And in terms of 
Does the individual that pulled the trigger have some responsibility? My answer to that to be sadly would be yes. Yeah. Um, the agency has some responsibility. It's not going to be the person who this, the, the safety officer, because ultimately that still falls on the agency. I mean, unless you can prove intent yeah. of a, an intentional action against someone, which you're, I mean, the chances of finding right. it in that situation are, I mean, almost don't exist, but there's just a lot of different ways from a criminal um, law standpoint, but also a civil law standpoint. Cause you know, you can, they, even if you don't meet the re beyond a reasonable doubt standard in criminal law, what the thing about civil law is you just has to be quote unquote, more likely than not. And that just means you're 50.1% sure that it's more likely than not. So a jury you don't have to be 100% sure. You just have to be 50.1% sure. And that's a much lower burden to meet. So, I mean, sadly, I do think that there's some some responsibility in the hands of the person who pulled the trigger. But because you just don't go into those situations without checking that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly, sadly. And I, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. I feel like I'm a hypocrite because I was so quick and um, maybe even overly zealous to talk about how I think Alec Baldwin is culpable because of the producer hat he was wearing. As you talked about, there's there's procedures and so forth. And when you negate those, then you could show the reckless nature of it, blah, blah, blah. But the same thing holds true here, I think. And yet that's the last thing I would want it's the last thing I'd want. Yeah, yeah, very sad. I, I totally agree, and and I have to call myself out as a hypocrite on this because uh, I just do. I was very quick to to throw down Alec Baldwin. And, well, I don't. And I wouldn't say you'd be. I think that's also with Alec Baldwin is obviously he did something that was so horrific, and whether there was intent behind it or not, inevitably it's like you have a kid that you know that lied and got caught. Like you, all of a sudden they get real defensive and they're right. dancing around. And I didn't do it. This is that person and pointing fingers and. You know, obviously he feels really bad about that. I'm sure he feels bad about it, but it was sometimes it's the way that it's handled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, thank you. That, you give me an out. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then that female, you know, the one about the female who pulled the gun instead of the taser. Yeah. I mean, to me, the heartbreaking part of that one was also, which, you know, having been on SWAT and knowing how much we train for things is, um, you know, you train for with, first of all, you hardly hardly train with tasers they train you with your gun i mean over and over and over and over again they even train you with your gun in close combat like you like you know that you train sure. you qualify we train from 50 yards or no we had to qualify from like 50 yards 25 yards and then like you know the quick shot like you had to get it off your hip and shoot real quick change hands you train even for that like crazy you don't number one you don't get training with a taser and number two so you, you're going to revert to what your brain knows and your brain Muscle knows memory. to grab gun, not taser. So that, that to me is just a heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm with you on so that. Many, and that so broke many. my heart because I felt the department probably, again, maybe I'm always quick to throw down the management management, but uh, they put her in that situation where she was removed for so many years. And yeah. did she receive some, you know, con some con training and, you know, yeah. familiarization and so yeah. forth. So to your point with the taser, yeah. uh, we have another headline, Robin. Yeah, this one I actually brought up to you before well, before we even started because it really affected me to see this in my news feed this morning. Law enforcement recruits in critical condition after being hit by a car during their morning run in Whittier. Yeah, that I saw that this morning, and that's why I printed out before the dust even had time to settle. So by the time we, you know weigh in on this the facts will probably be known and i'll probably be way off but just hearing it i immediately thought intentional based on the fact that i, I you know having been in the military and most academies not all but most academies have like a military aspect in terms of their physical conditioning their pt drills so forth they run in formation uh you have um um, road guards that come out with their, you know they have vests on they stop traffic and so forth that you either I, I gave three scenarios, either intoxicated, but it was six in the morning, but it's possible. Possible. Uh, could be the, uh, I, sadly, I see a lot of elders do this where they, they're no longer fit to drive, sadly, and they hit the gas instead of the brake. Um, but then in this war of cops that we've seen, we've seen this genuine hatred towards police by certain members of society, uh, albeit criminal. I'm thinking intentional. 
um, it's a dangerous job. There's, there's not a lot for me to say on it because, again, the dust set, we don't know what occurred, but I just want to kind of throw that out there. Now, your thoughts, Bridget? Well, certainly intent in that takes the crime to a whole, whole, whole like, in terms of punishment, significantly intensifies the, the, the length of time that person would get for the crime. Um, and then there's the, you know, there's no intent, and yet you still committed a crime. I mean, if someone dies, it's manslaughter instead of murder, but it's still manslaughter. You know, it's like saying you just, there's speeding, and then there's the reckless driving. I can't remember what it's called now, but when you're speeding, that your speed is so high that, you know, it triples the the, pun, the the fine and just makes it that much worse. There's the distracted driving. I mean, and all of that you can prove, but what would be really hard to prove is intent. So if it just depends on, you know, you got some of these idiots that think that post stuff on social media, and then you can show that they had this history of hatred towards law enforcement or whatever, and you can put that what's called a circumstantial evidence case together. I mean, law enforcement knows that term and civilians may not but um you know it'd be, you could potentially put together that circumstantial case of intent um which would be just despicable um but you know it doesn't have to reach that level for there to be um fault so it's very sad when it's distracted driving or you know sometimes you know you look the way you you, you turn your head the way you look um you, know, you just never know and sadly i just think you know it drives me crazy when i see people you pass them on that, you know, you're driving and you look to the person next to you and you can just, they're looking down. Ugh, yeah. Distracted, it whether it's a cell crazy. phone or yes. what, whatever it may be, but sadly with cell, cell phone, phone. You, you can see, see them looking yeah. at their cell phone. I mean, I say, I'm a mom. I am picking up my kids and dropping them off. And I see moms doing it all the time. Like you have your kids in the car, but yeah. I know that it's hard and it's distracting, but put the freaking phone down. Yeah. And these were people, these were recruits that weren't even police officers yet going to be, yeah. and, and what a indoctrination to a very dangerous world. Uh, right. Our last headline is actually a series of headlines that uh, Robin is going to uh, kind oh, of there's read more off. than yeah. one, huh? Yeah, there's a theme. You'll, okay. You'll see. Student suspect in custody after three football players shot dead and two people wounded at the University of Virginia. That's headline one. The next one, three shooters, including slain Teen traded nearly 20 gunshots outside Bogalusa football game. Number three, Connecticut man who killed two police officers played high school football with Aaron Fernandez and Alice Ring, Alex Ring. Yeah, I think what's interesting when I saw this all happened within a month, the 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 shooting of the two uh, officers uh, with that that individual. Um, which was the last headline you read. Um, uh, Nick Brutcher was her, is his name. He killed two police officers in Bristol, Connecticut. He played football with Aaron Hernandez, who was the, um, um, the star, a, a, a absolutely celebrity, you know, good-looking guy. He, he was on the uh, New England Patriots, which was, the, you know, the Super Bowl team. It doesn't get any bigger. And he was the star receiver, a murderer outright not you know th th that was cold and calculated that was murder in first degree uh and then he also played with alice ring who was also a football player who killed his wife uh, many years well probably maybe the same time frame um let me think 2015 i think mm -hmm. and i just i just couldn't help but think about this football and Bridget, you being from Texas, uh, I don't believe football is a big deal at high school football <laughs> in Texas. Yeah, I've never, it's not like I've ever seen a series called uh, Friday Night Lights. Um, but I'm, 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 I don't know if there's a pattern there because I don't want to say there's a there when there isn't. But I do see the way football is being monetized and even as low as high school now. I mean, there's money there, especially in my God, collegiate. There's huge money, huge contracts. Yeah. Laws have even yeah. changed. Where now the, the the and rightfully so, I believe the uh, the athletes now can share in that financial, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, payday. But I wonder about how much we're putting our youth at risk in terms of that us against them, that killer attitude, some of these coaches. There was a coach, again, within a month, that was um, charged, or at least investigated. It may not have been charged, but he's being investigated for assaulting football players on the other team. 
uh, because mm-hmm. they had some, you know, uh, interaction at the sidelines and he ripped their, their helmets off and was hitting upside the head. There's such, and it's a sport that's clearly, you know, uh, a physicality to it, a, a major aggression, if you will. And, and again, I don't want to keep throwing out O.J. Simpson. You know, it's like people using Hitler to describe everything. You know, not everything yeah. is bad because O.J was a football player but i'm just curious what your take is on that because i don't know if there's a pattern there but i worry about high school athletics and the aggression that we instill into some of these kids and i wrestled and so i I remember you know our coach you know it was uh, you know that was a mono against mono kind of sport as you know mm-hmm. not, it's, it's a team sport but not really you're out there yeah. and there's that aggression factor that you're you're instilling in these kids uh but maybe i'm just being way too woke <laughs> maybe i'm putting my woke hat <laughs> on i don't know uh sally aaron hernandez went to university of florida which is where i went to ah. school and he was on the national championship team so i mean he definitely had a, a history of a, an amazing career but when you to me bring up football players, what comes to my mind is the TBI, the traumatic brain injury. And in that, I think you start to question intent. Wow. Um, Because do, are you really forming the intent or is there a mental incapacity? Just like you today say a person under the age of 18 technically doesn't have the mental capacity to enter into a contract um, unless you waive anyway, but there's, there's exceptions to every rule, but um to me, that's where you start to look at, is there a mental insanity? Now, it doesn't just like Alex, what's his, the actor we just talked about. Um, Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Does that eliminate any type of responsibility? No, but to, it can reduce the length of punishment. Mitigating. Um, or the amount of fire. Yeah, it can mitigate it. And so to me, that is, do you even have that intent? I mean, because we've all seen it, uh, like Aaron Hernandez, there's a whole special about it yeah. on how the football career he had damaged his brain that changed who he was as a human like it just turned him into a different human being now he had some egregious crimes that he needed to pay for but it would not be the same as you and i with no brain injury whatsoever forming the intent to commit those crimes and then doing it so i think it's awful i mean i see like today i saw with the university of virginia like they're canceling the rest of their football season because of how bad it is i also think from a law enforcement standpoint, football games are security nightmare. Yeah, they are. When I was on the SWAT team, we were staged at every game. And when they're on the roof with sniper rifles and you don't see them because they don't want you to, but they're there. And I hope every major football game has those. I mean, University of Florida, LSU, Ohio State, they have over 100,000 people just in the stadium. And that doesn't count the people around. I mean, it is a security nightmare. And so from that standpoint, but to go back to this individual players is, you know, like I have a son and I hope he doesn't play football. <laughs> but you wrestled. I am sure you got dinged in the head plenty of times. Um, and, you know, our soccer players deal with it too. My husband works in the insurance world and he said the highest rates of injury that they deal with for like high school or club sports is um, one of them is cheerleading. So yes. and you get significant injuries include and, and soccer because they head the, the ball so much, that's a brain injury. So to me that from the legal, put my legal hat on is, um, and if I, not that I would ever want to be a defense attorney, but if I were that person's defense attorney, that would be, I'd be like, we're going to pony up some big cash to pay for the big time experts to and do your, and do your brain scans and see, can we mitigate this somehow? Yeah. Because they're going to prove you did it most likely. And so how can we minimize what your punishment will be? Interesting. I, I've never thought about the TBI. And it's, it's absolutely there. Absolutely. I wasn't mm-hmm. even thinking those terms. I just wondered if there is a trend here with football, because I do see a lot of violence outside the game yeah. that's directly related to the game in terms of the, yeah. the heated and so forth, more so than, than most sports, I think. Uh, and I could yeah. be wrong. I could be totally wrong. Thank you so much for a wonderful Cops and Robin session. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Also, Robin, I just want to say you're, I don't know if y'all are going to bleep out bad words. You're a badass too, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. I'll, I'll take the compliment any day. I always wanted to be a cop, but I've played one in a movie probably about three dozen times. So that's as close as I ever got. 
Well, your story alone makes you, it's all that you need to, you're a survivor and you're a badass. So I love it. Thank you so much. I concur. We'll be right back with our last uh, heroic headlines, uh, stupid suspect story and inspirational closing message. We'll be right back. More stories, inside guests and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. During these challenging days, we not only need to remember our many fallen heroes for their ultimate sacrifice, but also honor them so their families know we've not forgotten. And that's what the Arizona Fallen Hero Memorial Riders Organization is all about. Each year, the nonprofit organizes three memorial rides among the beautiful backdrop of North, South, and Central Arizona, with the proceeds going to the 100 Club of Arizona. Learn more about these fun rides and how you can honor all of Arizona's fallen heroes at ArizonaFallenHeroesMemorialRiders.org. You're listening to Batch Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Batch Boys. I really enjoyed that Cops and Robin. I uh, did. Yeah, having her with her legal ease, I didn't even think about the TBI and uh, as well as uh, insight into... She kind of agreed with me that in terms of um, if there is some type of recklessness, uh, some type of egregious policy violation, whether it's on a movie set or in a training scenario at an elementary school, a gun accident is more than just an accident. It's it's reckless. Yeah, you got to be cautious when you're doing stuff like that. I mean, I've seen those type of drills that take place. But I mean, really, you're you're there with your comrades in arms, and yeah. you got to be more protective of your weapon. Yeah, and so was there management error? Was it a combination of errors? Who knows? But but yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of throw out the fact that I'm really quick to uh, uh, you know put uh, Alec Baldwin behind bars, but my heart breaks for this officer to squeeze the trigger on this other female officer, and. There's very many similarities, unfortunately. Um, as much as I look at Bridget as a hero, she really is. She she broke that that glass ceiling with the SWAT, with that um, sheriff's department. Uh, she went into narcotics. Uh, she was treated so poorly, and yet she comes out of it helping the Blue family. That is and so now cool. With both, you know, the wellness protection as and the uh, um, the law firm uh, she's wonderful and so I'm dedicating this heroic headline to her oh. um, heart-stopping footage footage shows a Kansas City cop saving an infant the dramatic body cam footage captures a moment a hero in Kansas City a Kansas City cop who rushed into a local home and saved a one-month-old girl who had completely stopped breathing. Officer Richard Duchesne is captured on this video, sprinting into the one-story home and quickly taking a baby named Kamaya from her father and beginning chest compressions with his fingers. Uh, you can then see the girl, little baby breathing when he turn, the officer turns her over and starts doing the uh, the thrust because he started with compressions wasn't working then he did the uh, back thrust which is part of the training uh, amazing and we have a, a sound clip that you actually hear this heroic action one kansas city family is beyond grateful after a kansas city officer saved their baby's life and the incredible moment was caught on camera fox Force reagan porter talks with that family and she has an update now on that one month old girl who is still in the hospital at children's mercy that little girl's mom tells me it was a terrifying moment that could have turned tragic. She says her daughter is alive thanks to a Kansas City police officer's quick action. She's breathing now. She is breathing. I knew that he was going that he was going to make sure she was going to be okay. Mom Tajanae Allen says her one month old was not herself that morning. Kamaya was acting strangely and suddenly stopped breathing. Allen called 911 and says Officer Richard Deshane and his partner got there just in time, sprinting through the front door. Best thing was, we were there in about 30 seconds. This is body camera footage from the Kansas City Police Department. Kamaya's dad hands Deshane Kamaya. He didn't feel a heartbeat. Deshane immediately starts compressions. When that didn't work, turn her up and hit the back. Turn her down. Come on, sweetie. They turned to back thrust and saw progress. After several back thrusts, um, I could start seeing a little bit of life to come to to the baby. Kamaya started moving, making noises and breathing. Turn over her side a little bit. Come on, there you go. There we go. That's my hero. He saved my daughter. I would do anything for that man. Like, he saved my daughter. 
and I, I thank him for that. Allen says Kamaya's been diagnosed with RSV. She's currently in the NICU recovering, expected to be okay. Kamaya's also a preemie, born at 34 weeks. But she a fighter. She a fighter. Duchesne has a daughter of his own who was born early. He knows how hard it can be. That's why this save. There she goes. Come on. There you go. And this visit in the hospital was so rewarding to make sure Kamaya was okay. I've been in your shoes. I know exactly what it feels like. And that's the biggest thing is just being so close. And I could actually relate to this family that I serve. Duchesne encourages everyone to take a CPR class. He says the training can truly save lives. And this is just one of those examples. Reagan Porter, Fox 4. Oh my gosh, one month old. And d just listening to that, Darren, I got chills because... We don't get to see first responders in action like that. And even though we weren't watching the video, we were hearing it. It just gave me chills because I can only imagine how many times police officers are always there first, even before paramedics and firefighters and what you guys go through. That just puts it into perspective. It's funny because when we're talking to Bridget, she mentioned that police officers every day, you know, you're doing something at helping the community and you really do. Uh, police officers, you know, we're talking about these heroics, but it's a microcosm in terms of the vast amount of our 800,000 women and men that are out there uh, protecting and serving, and they're doing these things. I, I, and again, this is not me bragging myself. I couldn't even tell you, you know, how many lives I've saved, really. I mean, it was one of those things that it's just day after day, you find yourself being there. The word first responder has no truer meaning than a patrol officer who is seconds away from a life and death situation and your training and your ability. And the main thing, and you could hear it in that audio, he remained calm. The officer was, it was, I don't want to say another day at the job, but it, it sounded like it, didn't it? Right. Superman to the rescue. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Come on, and, baby. You and know, that's what, yeah. that's what is so spectacular is, you know, with as many LEOs as I've known through the years. Yeah. I know the terminology now, thanks to you guys, but you know, through the years I have met so many law enforcement officers that have just blown me away because They've lost count with how many lives they've been involved in saving. And and I know some of your personal history. My favorite one is about the guy who wanted to be a chef. And you said, <laughs> you know, you kept him from killing himself because you talked about ice cream. And we don't realize just how important it is to reach people in that moment, uh, life or death. Yeah. And you guys are always the first ones there. And it's just, to me, it's phenomenal that you guys do that, you know. And I love how that officer said the community that he serves, because that's what it's all about, serving your community, being right. part of the community, but serving it. As beautiful and heroic as it is, and it touched my heart, now I'm going to go a little bit lower on the body to the bowels of humanity, uh, stupid suspect stories. Yeah, we just have one. I love that song. I'm yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the headline is Texas mystery man dubbed Edward Scissorhands as he cuts neighbors' trees overnight. Yeah, a mystery man who the residents have dubbed Edward Scissorhands has been strangely snipping branches off the residents' trees late at night in uh, Bridges Neck of the Woods, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, stumping cops and neighbors. This terrorizing tree trimmer has stylized a dozen trees on streets in front of the homes and was caught on camera a uh, quote from one of the neighbors uh, sometimes he'll just take a little bit off but then in other people's trees he'll take massive gobs this neighbor fumed wishing he would just leaf uh, in home surveillance footage, I couldn't resist. In home surveillance footage, the branch bandit can be seen doing the deed normally around 3 a.m. with his unleashed dog. And Robin, do you know why that dog is probably there? Mm, I have no idea. So he doesn't bark up the wrong tree. Oh, Lord. Yeah, no. Yeah, I true. had a feeling yeah. you were going to yeah, do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the footage, you can see him st standing back almost as if he's admiring his work and then leaves with his dog, an uh, unleashed dog. Uh, another neighbor said the, the limb lifter has earned the nickname Edward Scissorhands as a nod to the 1990 Johnny Depp movie, as we know, um, Timothy, Tim Burton film, uh, due to his lust for slicing. But in this case, the neighbors don't like his artwork, saying um, they wish he would stop. Um, quote, people in the neighborhood were talking about it, and it seems like he's only hitting certain streets, picking on certain neighbors. Uh, police are now using the footage to help find and make an arrest. Now, if he's arrested, you know why 
He's not going to be able to get out on bond? I have no clue. Because the neighborhood will not go out on a limb for him. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And that is the stupid suspect story. You know, maybe he was looking for kindling for a fire. It may be. Maybe. And, and I, I do don't have know. to make a, a public apology for all the bad puns, but I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. We needed that, though. I mean, yeah. You know, because as stupid as a stupid person does, sometimes uh, we have to laugh because laughter is the best medicine. There you go. There yep. you go. Uh, for our inspirational closing message, um, I tell you, I wanted to, initially I was going to talk about just how beautiful we have it here at Star Worldwide Studios with Robin Cote as our producer, just doing an incredible job. I kind of talked about it one time with Jason. There's times where both Jason and I are gone different times. You've always been here. You're always here. You always have our back. Uh, you're a perfect badge boy sister. Um, and then Dave Pratt giving us the opportunity to, you know, a, a platform, a pulpit to bring the community together. And that was his purpose, bringing Badge Boys. Jason and I didn't even know each other. And Dave Pratt brought us together out of the blue thinking it would be a good marriage. And uh, I, I, it is because, my God, I have Jason, right? Uh, so that was going to be my inspirational message. And then I saw this headline. And it kind of, like, why would this headline be inspirational? Here's the headline. Cop-hating protester Samantha Shader, who threw Molotov cocktail at an NYPD van, gets six years in prison. And this was just today. I saw that headline just today. This is brand new headline. Again, when I say headline, it, you probably won't see it anywhere. Uh, we talked about, and I do it all the time, I'm always rehashing the summer of love, and I'm using air quotes, in 2020, and all the horrible things that occurred to law enforcement and to the communities. And at the behest, practically, of political and celebrities and so forth with their agendas. And we always talk about, you know, there's no um, consequences for all this mayhem and this carnage. And yet this headline hit me. Yeah, there, there was for this. And I remember her. I remember her. She was a cop hater. She, she, she's uh, one of those Antifa types that just wants to hate on mm. cops and has no real experience to speak on just and to see this headline that some two years later she w was convicted and is getting six years sentence that is beautiful and so there so you you hear these horrible things and you think there's no consequences there was at least in this case and there's probably others that i have missed because the only reason i happened to see this small little headline was I was looking at headlines, or I would not have seen it. So this is me talking about that paradigm shift. A and, little vindication. Yeah, and yeah. even Bridget and I were talking about that, that whole rhetoric of defunding has completely turned around, where now those who are saying defunding are saying, no, 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 not me. That in itself is inspiring. Not because they're good people, they're not. They're just going with whatever they want to say at the moment, but that is... A testament to that moment in time and right now it's about funding police it's about supporting police it's about building bridges in the community so to me this headline was inspiring but not as much as you and dave thank you uh, robin and dave for badge boys and thank you for listening until next week stay safe badge boys thanks for listening to badge boys <laughs> Stories, insights, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Badge Boys, heard weekly and worldwide on Star Worldwide Networks and all mobile devices. Badge Boys.